Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. My guest is Alex Stewart, and she knows that while it's important to fill our minds with knowledge and, of course, a good dose of positivity, we should also be spending much more time considering what we put on and in us. Alex is committed to the path of a low-tox life, and she reckons it can have a profound effect on how we live and work. Hello, Alex. Hello. How are you, Robert? I'm, look, I'm very well, but I, I've got this horrible sort of feeling that by the end of this conversation, <laughs> you're going to have made me stop doing all the things I enjoy. So I'm a bit nervous, actually. <laughs> but there you go. Let's see. So look, come on, the low-tox life. Yeah. What's, what's it all about? Please explain. Well, the low-tox life is, is about a number of things. You know, when I first started this business as, as a blog, I found it very hard to narrow down and little did I know at the time was that I was never meant to narrow down and it was just not going to be one of those businesses that had a teeny tiny niche. Mm. And I really love this idea of um, the low-tox life, which is a a term I guess I coined about three years ago Um, and because there is no no no-tox and life is not black and white Mm -hmm. and it's impossible unless you want to go and live in a bubble in in a completely 100% organic community where there are no plastic tubes of any, I mean, you know, it's absolutely impossible. Does such a place exist, Stephen? No, I don't even know that it does. Um, And uh, and so I I saw people struggling with guilt and with shame and am I doing enough and am I doing it right? And I think low-tox just takes the pressure off because it means we can live within our cities, uh, beautiful um, country towns even, and we can adapt a whole bunch of wonderful things that not only make us feel good but have an unbelievable effect on the planet's health. um, By consequence, Mm. Uh, and and also kind of uh, free our minds up to make us feel like we're we're just doing a good job for ourselves and for the planet. And fantastic, yeah. It just it just seems to make sense. So within that comes what we put in us, so our food, yep. what we put on us, so our skin is our largest organ and, and what we breathe in around us and what goes on in our heads. So, mm. yes, it's quite wide but it's kind of, you know, it's just about... It's kind of important. Yes, yeah, it is important. <laughs> so, look, just before we... So what, what I'd love to do is, you know, bearing in mind that, you know, the majority of our of our community, people listening, a large large percentage anyway, work from a home base. So we're probably, you know, fixing our own kind of food and stuff as we go along. Mm. Uh, we're running our businesses alongside, you know, the normal, fairly busy lives, looking after little people and older people and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So um, I, I'd love to sort of move on in a minute and just get some sort of really tangible ideas of what kind of things that can we be doing and, and maybe a few obvious things that we should stop doing. But before we got there, you know, is, uh, before we go there, rather, you, you mentioned that this is this is the theme of your blog, and we'll we'll share a link to that at the end. What got you into this whole topic then? Because it's you know, what's your sort of background? How did you end up here? Yeah, so I was definitely not born of hippie parents doing yoga on a hill, drinking green smoothies. That was definitely not my upbringing. <laughs> I was born in London, moved over to Chicago with my mum and dad in the mid seventies. Um, and uh, from the mid-70s, we moved here into in Sydney 
1980 and I've been here all my life. And I had some um, some struggles uh, health-wise. I had chronic tonsillitis. I had um, terrible migraines as a teenager, just horrific migraines. Um, and uh, I'd never once for a second thought that it might be anything that I was eating or that was going on around me um, that might be causing these illnesses until I um, then developed polycystic ovarian syndrome in my years in cosmetics, and that's a female female hormonal um, disease, uh, uh, which is to largely reversible, I've since found out. Um, So those three things... Mm, that's probably of, enough, isn't it? Yeah, it was enough, <laughs> but it was just still quite funny that I never decided at any point having been, this is what I find hilarious, we can be graduated from 13 years of education, university honours degree, and still not be curious about the link between what goes on in us and on in our heads mm. as to our overall health picture. I just find that incredible how mm. the lack of critical thinking in our education system uh, uh, reflects um, us becoming uh, sort of in tune with our bodies and what we might need to do to feel more awesome, essentially. Uh, uh, well, and, and hopefully it's changing, and thanks to the, the, the work that you and others are doing, it will change. So yeah. where, where should we start? Do you, want to, do you want to dive in with some, here are some obvious things that we shouldn't be doing? I mean, what sort of... What, what gets you kind of worked up the most? Where, where would yeah. you like to <laughs> well, So the things, there are two things. If I had to rein it in and tell you two things that work me up the most, things that I passionately love helping people um, move on from, are what I call, number one, weirdo packets of fakeness. Mm. Um, and that would be just these strange food-like processed foods that we've somehow been led to believe might be worth filling up on. Mm. Um, problem is they might fill you up, but they certainly don't nourish you or provide any kind of health blueprint. Um, so these will be things uh, like copper soups. I mean, that's a great example. Right. Or, uh, yeah, so a copper soup costs, I think, 0.07 cents per sachet for a food company. And I know this because a friend of mine used to be a food technologist. Right. And he was asked to shave point zero 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 two percent off the price however he could do it you know that to me is just a a, that just says it all about the people that are in charge of making this stuff that we're calling food you know Mm. so that that is an uh, is an instance then this 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 cup of soup which is many people would say well or probably think well this is just going to kind of fill me up a bit and you know I'm busy and I'm working al desco so you know how bad is it I mean how bad is it it's really bad so copper soups are full of msg Mm. and msg is like crack for our brains (laughs) it's uh you're always chasing your next hit I mean one of the best examples I can give you is once you pop you can't stop I think everybody knows the product I'm talking about right um uh, it's uh, Pringles mm. and they are packed with the stuff as well and there's a reason you can't stop they are engineered created in labs to make us not be able to stop and that terrifies me that we're so beholden to these companies formulas literally that addict us to their foods 
So it's it's quite. Um, I take quite an activisty stance. It's not mm. really so much about the health per se as the number one. It's how dare they do this to us and then shove it down our throats through every advertising medium possible to normalise it. Therefore, we choose it just without even thinking about it, and then end up with health issues mm. and never make the link because. It's just not part of our culture to do that. Okay, so look, it's I totally totally get what you're saying. Clearly, this is a topic that you you know a lot about and you're very passionate about. And if we wanted to look there and say, okay, well, let's imagine that you know, hey, I'm drinking a cup of soup. Yeah. Um, what is that? What's that doing to me in terms of how how is that undermining my ability to live my life as well as I might may and do my work as well as I might? Yeah, so you're able to detox to a certain amount. If you had one of these processed foods, like, you know, if you had a packet of Maltesers once a month or if you had um, a few chips at a party, our bodies are made to detox from things. It's not a disaster. And this is why I say low tox, um, you know, not no tox, because yep. it's, it's actually hard to do and be social as well sometimes. Um, and while I might not choose any processed foods, I just simply skip them if I'm out and about and I just try and choose the fruit platter or, you know, there's always a choice you can make a better choice. But, um, but I just don't want to scare people into thinking that they're, they're killing themselves if they have something like this once a month or a couple of times a month, knock yourself out. But mm. essentially, if you look at the, the fact, people aren't doing this sort of stuff once a month. They're having the cup of soup as a mid-morning snack. They're having the um, either Thai takeaway or a lean cuisine or, um, you know, some sort of other processed thing for lunch. They're having um, a couple of processed biscuits in the afternoon possibly, like an Arnott's kind of situation. Um, maybe they're having a cereal for breakfast, which is highly, highly processed, and pasteurised milk to go with it. Again, mm. highly processed. So if you look at a day, an average day in the Australian diet these days, and, you know, there might be people out there who are just reheating their shepherd's pie the night before. Power to you. That's exactly what we should be doing. But if you're not, um, then you've really got to start looking at um, just crowding out some of that processed stuff because long-term it not only affects your brain's ability to function sharply, but it can bring on autoimmune diseases. Now, these are extremely expensive mm. to cure um, or even just control um, and maintain. If you can't cure the particular one you might come down with, um, you might get chronic illness that presents as osteoarthritis because of the inflammation caused by the foods. I mean, there are so many health problems that come from processed foods. I could go on for days and days. I'm sure. Okay. So, look, so let's, let's just imagine for a moment then. That we, and what's an easy way to, um, to sort of summarize a processed food? Is it anything that's in a packet? Is that a way to look at it? I well, mean, do yes. we do we generally uh, uh, in Australia do we generally know what a processed food is? Do you think? I think we, because of the way our food pyramid is um, promoted, we see that like the grains at the bottom of the pyramid, right? Um, and so when we then go to a supermarket, we might see whole grain written on a packet, and we've been programmed to therefore believe that that can be one of our sources of grain. Um, made with whole grains is completely different to what it ends up being. And mm. so processing is just how much denaturing happens between the raw state of whatever food it began as and what it ends up as. 
So for a grainy kind of cereal, for example, if it's puffed or flaked, um, that goes through super high heat treatment and those proteins become really toxic to us in the processed form. So uh, it's it, processing, you know, there's there's good and there's bad processing mm. and you can process um, vegetables and culture them with a, a, a vegetable culture of some kind and turn them into fermented vegetables. And that kind of processing is amazing and that's what our ancestors used to do and that's what gives us great gut bacteria, really, um, really amazing uh, increases in all the vitamins that you would normally find in those vegetables. They just get amplified. So there are processes that are good, like a fermented or cultured foods, right. and there are processes that are bad. So not good. The, the factory-produced um, extruding oils from seeds, which, you know, we were never meant to eat. Uh, I've got an interesting story about how that all began. But um, we probably right, let's come back there in a minute. Let, okay, let me <laughs> let me ask you this. Let's yeah. go on a, um, on a on a virtual supermarket tour. You know, Ooh, I'll okay. let me walk with you now yeah. as we go into. I, look, the chances are, I guess, these are going to be one of two very popular stores. Yeah. So let's just imagine that we are walking into a, a Coles or a Woolies, and I've yeah, got I'm got you as my my personal Lotox guide with me. Mm-hmm. Where should we go? I want what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to have some something I can make for my lunch that doesn't take me all day or completely leave me with a kitchen that needs rebuilding. Yeah. So I want nice simple food. I want some snacks in the morning and the afternoon that are going to give me plenty of energy. Take me, take me. Where do we go? Okay, so we stick to the outside of the supermarket. Right. <laughs> or we don't go in it. We don't. No, no. Oh. By the outside, oh. I mean just outside the aisles and oh, okay. the parameters. Gotcha. So you can go to the meat section. There's some really amazing um, offerings now in the two big supermarkets. They've really cleaned up their act and offered some more ethical choices, grass-fed meat, um, organic chicken, um, now, a lot of people say, oh, organic chicken, you know, she's lost me there because that's twice the price. Well, I just suggest that you look at the price of pieces of free-range chicken. Like a lot of people buy free-range chicken breast. Yep. Um, and, and that's expensive. If you go from buying free-range chicken breast to whole organic chickens, you are actually saving yourself money. Mm. A whole organic chicken per kilo costs less than Spam in a can. Wow. I kid you not. Okay. So a lot of people think organic, oh, it's luxury, that's for people, elite food eaters, and I'm not a food snob, and so that's not me. But organic is just an amazing um, uh, insurance for your own health and for the health of the animals and the planet. Like, it it benefits everybody. It's um, it's not a luxury. It, it, we've got to try and figure out how to buy more and more of it. Okay, so we've started off and we're, we're on the organic the meat. meat section. So All then, right. In your fruit and veggies, go Mm -hmm. nuts. Um, I actually don't buy my organic fruit and veggies in a supermarket for the simple fact that they pack them in styrofoam trays with Glad Wrap. And that, to me, just seems completely counterintuitive to people who want to try and buy pesticide-free food. So I go to a market for all of that stuff. But if you can't afford or don't have time for a market, please relax. It is still better to eat fruit and veggies than processed foods. Um, so go for it. 
and um, and then I would maybe from the middle aisles I would buy a good olive oil mm-hmm. like Cobram Estate. That's a fantastic, right. inexpensive Australian olive oil. And then you've got a few um, items like tomato passata, which is pureed tomato. Um, and then that's just an amazing thing that you can just knock together. You can cut your chook up, pour some passata over the top, cut up some onions, pour that over the top, sprinkle some fresh herbs over it and a maybe half a cup of water. You shove that in the oven in the morning and you've got an incredible slow-cooked lunch on mm. 150 Celsius from, say, 8 o'clock in the morning till lunchtime. And then you've got leftovers to feed the kids their dinner that night if you've got kids. I mean, it's not complicated. We've just got to stop believing that convenience looks like a packet when mm. convenience just looks like being a clever, smart shopper and cook. Yeah, okay. Now, that's a great point. And, that, and a nice little recipe you snuck in there as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> I can imagine that. Doesn't sound. It is. You know, it's so simple mm. to just whack something slow cooked in the oven like that. Okay, what about mid-morning? I've had my breakfast. Oh, yeah, what should I be having for my breakfast? Okay, so for brekkie, um, if you uh, feel like you do well on eggs, like I always say to people, monitor how you feel at the end of a meal because we've been told what breakfast is supposed to look like through the television. We've actually forgotten to listen to our bodies. Mm. And, uh, and that's just you are your number one health and food advisor. So I say eggs and some avocado on a, on a buckwheat cracker, but that might make you feel really heavy and you might not like that. So um, you could have some yogurt with some nuts and seeds on top, maybe a sprinkle of coconut as well, which is fantastic, and enjoy that for your brekkie. Mm. And then if you get hungry between meals, you, I mean, the thing is you, fi- you might find you don't because once you start to eat real food that's packed with nutrient density to actually satisfy you instead of make you feel like you're climbing up the walls by 9.30 a.m., um, you end up off, often saving money and being able to reinvest into better quality meals for the simple fact that you're not hungry between the meals anymore and you don't need a bazillion snacks in your cupboard to mm. tide you over in between those meals. Look, I think uh, that's that's a lovely thought and I also I, I also think part of the mid-morning snack is it it's just a lovely little sort of procrastination technique exactly. that i've personally so developed over the years really good thought mm. um which is why do we treat food always with the importance that we treat it in terms of when we might not need it mm. so you know quite often it's like oh i need a break and i used to be a smoker pack a day 10 years Um, and it's going on 10 years that I have no longer been a smoker um, which I'm extremely proud of Mm. but um, but when I was that cigarette was the break it was the oh I've been working on this task for 45 minutes let me just go and have a cigarette and I'll come back to it and I think we do the same with food and we simply should not because if we keep our digestive systems working a little bit all day what we end up with is our digestive processes taking away from other body processes that need refueling, replenishing and energy put towards those. So we shouldn't be eating constantly all day. It actually takes away from our immune system Hmm. um, and several other systems in our body. So to, to be a really efficient human and to operate as best possible, we really should just eat till full um, and make sure that we're not just 
filling up, but we're nourishing, which we just talked about before, um, with more whole real foods. And then you should be able to go five hours. And if you can't, then eat a little bit more in that plate, add an extra vegetable, add an extra half sausage, add, you know, whatever it is, and just see how you go that next day. Hmm. Okay, so what do you do with your procrastination technique then? Because you can't go out and munch. Well, so I, like everybody out there, I work from home. And um, I have the fortune of living on a gorgeous street um, and I also have the fortune, sometimes don't feel like it's a fortune, of having my laundry two floors down. Mm. So I, um, I go and do a load of laundry or swap a laundry over and that's my two flights of stairs down, two flights up, bit of time in the laundry, face gets in the sun and it's just that little tiny break that I need to then launch back into the next thing that I want to do. Hmm. I think um, we think of, um, uh, of food as the, the answer, just like I gave the cigarette example before. Food is the answer for the break. Food is the answer for the, oh, I'm a bit stuck. I'm having writer's block on this blog post. Yeah. I'll eat a cake. <laughs> okay, so you're saying it's not the answer. We've got to find a different answer. It shouldn't, shouldn't be that answer. No, exactly. No, okay. so, but what about, okay, what about... Really are you hungry? Mm. And if the real truth is, no, I'm not, just take a little two-minute walk around the block. It's the best thing you can do. We, we don't go outside enough as soloists. Yeah. And, um, and do it barefoot if you can too because that ground contact will actually um, give you a bit of a break from all the radiation of screens and everything and that can equalise... The, um, I don't want to sound too woo-woo, but it equalizes our energy fields hmm. um, and it has been proven to do so. So that's just so much better than eating something if you're not hungry. Fantastic. I can, I can see the streets all around Australia now full of barefoot soloists. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll be able to that's, say that's hello. a great idea. Okay, so look, you've, you've, that, that's all pretty clear in that, you know, we, yes, we need to move away from process. We need to be just considering more the sort of things that we buy um, what what uh, what other sort of thing or what what other traps do you see people for? What about the whole cafe coffee tea thing? Mm. I mean, how bad is that? And please don't tell me I've got to stop drinking coffee. But how how bad is all that? Well, there's good and there's bad in both of those. In everything, there's good. There's a better choice that we mm. can make. And um, I think uh, when it comes to coffee, there are a lot of chemicals in non-organic coffee. A lot. And those chemicals can affect our body over time um, because there's only so much you can detox from. So if you're having more than two cups a day and it's not organic, um, then then I would definitely consider moving on to something that is organic. And, you know, in Australia we've got such great access to really reasonably priced brands and I can cite a fellow entrepreneur, Jacqueline Arias, um, who founded... Uh, Republica, and that's available in supermarkets. Great Mm. value. She's got the pods now too, um, which I think is a, you know, a lot of people have those little Nespresso machines, but those are really bad for the planet. So she's got biodegradable pods, which I'm a big fan of, Mm. which I'm so totally plugging that. And then that's ethical and that's organic and it's fair trade. So you can be a happy soloist for your health and for the planet. And that's that's just so much nicer. And then with tea, same thing. There's a lot of um, fluoride in non-organic tea. And while fluoride is, you know, um, arguably okay for topical use in the mouth, it's not so great to be putting it through our bodies because it's a toxin, a neurotoxin. So again, we talk about brain function. Um, organic uh, tea is a great one to move to or herbal teas. Again, fantastic. 
And you can actually, like if you've got a stressful day, you can have a couple of herbal teas that suit calming you down and you can have a couple of teas in the cupboard that suit I really need energy today so mm. I'm going to, you know, wind myself up and you can sort of get them to help you. When and they, do, they actually work, don't they? Oh, they really, they really, really do. Birds are so powerful. Mm. It shocks me. Now, look, in, in my the intro that I, that, uh, I went through for you, 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 I know you talk about not just what we put in us, but what we put on us. Mm. So bearing in mind that we have a 50-50 audience, men and women, yeah. um, what are the things that we're putting on us? I mean, is it, is it makeup you're talking about? Is it sun cream? Is it hair product? I mean, what, what, what are we putting on us that's not so good? Okay, so <laughs> it's funny. I'm on day 12 as we speak um, in this particular interview of my 30 Days to Your Low-Tox Life e-course that I run and mm. um, I've nearly had a 1,000 people through this course and by day 12 people start to finally relax and not freak out about everything I've taught them from days 1 through 10 <laughs> and, uh, and because it's, it's actually quite shocking what's, what's in most personal care products mm. and that's men and women. But the number one thing I will, um, will bring up in this category because it's something that, you know, could do, it, it has a 30-day course, so, uh, it, but is the hormone-altering chemicals mm. and these are things like parabens, um, and they are things like phenoxyethanol and they are things like the phthalates. And phthalates, if you want to look these guys up, it's P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. These guys are what keep things sticky and stretchy in the world of plastics, but they're used in personal care in synthetic fragrances. So, you know, I think of a lot of soloists out there who might burn a scented candle to keep their offers smelling nice and you know it might feel inspiring but these phthalates find their way in there and they find their way into, into the candles into the candles into everything with a fake smell Ooh. so every product that does not have a fragrance that has an asterisk with a in brackets made from essential oils is synthetic and does carry phthalates and these mm -hmm. guys are really really nasty because they literally get inside our bodies and pretend to be our hormones. And what that can do to impact our health is absolutely shocking. Uh, so, I mean, do, we, do we actually know the damage they do or is it, is it so? Oh, there's plenty of evidence. Yeah, okay. there's incredible documentaries. Um, oh, can I think of one to share with you? The Disappearing Male is an incredible documentary if anyone wants to look that one up. But a really great book you can buy if you just want to start kind of becoming aware of these environmental chemicals and the stuff in our personal care written by two environmental scientists in Canada who are awesome guys. They did an experiment on themselves with six major environmental chemicals that we all come into contact with every day and showed their blood readings, hair, urine. They did all sorts of tests on themselves, mm. the guinea pigs. And it's written in a really awesome, easy-to-understand, page-turning kind of way, not in a dry, sure. nerdy, scientific way. And that book is Slow Death by Rubber Duck. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Sounds cheery, huh? Hmm. But, um, but I honestly believe, like, are we not big enough to just admit that we've got a few things wrong and we've been a bit silly to ignore stuff and let companies sell us stuff and just wake up, learn what we need to learn, move on, start supporting brands that are awesome, that are doing great things. I think of a couple of soloists uh, in, in Sydney, um, 
who, you know, Queen Bee Beeswax Candles. She's on the northern beaches. She's yep. on her own beautiful, pure candles, no petroleum in there, no phthalates in there, you know, gorgeous. And then Irene from Nourished Life who has a, a wonderful shop um, that sells beauty products, personal care for men and women, um, who's working out of her home in Castle Cove. You know, there's there's so many locals doing great things in this space um, who um, who deserve our support. Mm. Uh, and tell me, where where do you think we are in Australia versus the rest of the world? Are we at the are we the kind of leading edge of this low tox sort of movement, or are we catching up? Where where do you think we where, where are we positioned? I'd say we're about on par with the US, and we probably took our cue from the US and and took the ball and ran with it. It's still very small, though. I mean, very very small niche, uh, and we're definitely ahead of the UK. I get a lot of people from the UK doing my course saying, gosh, mm. it's really hard to find brands over here and, and I'm oh. actually going over there for a research trip to, to have a meeting with a few local UK businesses right. so that I can support them through the courses because mm. it's so behind over there apparently. Okay, well, now, look, let, what, what about, just because I, I, I don't know about listeners, but I'm beginning to worry that there's not much I do that can be that good for me, so I'm going to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm pretty okay, but I'll, I'll have to check a few things. Um, yeah. What about some, just some, going back to the food side of things, a couple yeah. of things that we can definitely, we talked about fresh fruit and vegetables. What about yeah. things that we don't prepare, but that we get in a tin, a can, a packet that, is okay. Is there anything? Is there anything that we can do? You know, <laughs> we're back. In, we're back in one of those supermarkets. Where, yeah, where can we go? Is like I said, with processed food, there is always a good choice and always a bad choice. You can choose a cracker that has a gazillion ingredients in it, or you could just choose a plain single ingredient buckwheat cracker. You know, there's always a choice you can make, and it's about stopping reading the front that has all the pretty little catchphrases and the low in this and the high in that and the something free. Forget the front, turn it over and look at the ingredients. And your number one shopping companion is to be an app called Chemical Maze. Mm. So if there are any numbers that you don't understand, like a 951, for example, um, a super toxic artificial sweetener, um, you, you will type in your 951 and it will show you a smiley face or a frowny face and it will tell you some of the effects and, um, yeah, your mind will probably be blown for the mm. first few months that you use it. I'm not so going to chemi- lie. So Chemical Maze, M-A-Z-E. Yeah. Mm, created by another soloist down oh, in Victoria. There you go. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a now, what a, one thing, I, and, and uh, I must tell you that um, in our household, I do our weekly shop every week. So it's one, yeah. of, one, of, the, one of my little tasks. And I notice, so I know the aisles really well in my particular supermarket. And I notice there's one section that's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's the fish section, the sort of tinned and packaged mm. fish section. And now I notice that there's every conceivable thing being plonked with tuna and stuck in a packet. Yeah. And I know people, I talk to people who have, that's their lunch, a, yeah. a tin of tuna on a, on a cracker or something. Mm it's pretty bad for the tuna but how how is it for us so the problem with tuna is that it's unsustainable because it takes forever for them to reproduce it's about eight to ten years um it's and you with with fish if you're going to have a quick tinned fish for lunch i would go with the wild um 
wild Alaskan salmon, the um, Paramount brand. Mm-hmm. You get some chili on there, a bit of olive oil, some yummy fresh herbs and mix it all through and taste delicious and that's very sustainable um, and uh, not farmed, which is great because farmed fish are fed all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, and I would also opt, if you are going to get tuna, just maybe consider 50%. I always say consider 50% when you're starting out instead of having it twice a week, maybe have it once a week and start Mm. adding in other options. Um, and so for that, I would choose the Safcol brand because it's the most, um, environmentally aware brand out of all of them and go plain. Do not let them put weirdo, strange flavors in with your tuna that you have no idea what they are. You can put them in yourself and you can put them in fresh yourself. Exactly. Plain Mm. and in brine, not in vegetable oil. Vegetable oil is crazy processed, asking for arthritis at the age of 35 food and, um, and add olive oil at home. Get that Cobra Estate and lather it in olive oil and delicious chili and salt. And I mean, It'll be something amazing to chuck through a salad or to even have on a couple of crackers with some tomato sliced on top or however you like to have it. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, okay, look, Alex, I get the sense we could we could easily talk for a great deal longer, but I, I'm going to... not going to make me stop, are you? I'm, gonna, I'm drawing to a close, but you mentioned... <laughs> now, this is... I'm going to test your memory now, just how strong is your memory. Um, at the beginning of our interview, you said, I've got a story about that that I'll tell you. And we were just walking in the aisles of a supermarket and you said, I've got a story. Can you remember what that story was? Oh, my gosh, a story about what? <laughs> you can't do I don't, No, me. I'm sorry, I shouldn't do I've it I've got so many stories. Oh, That's well, it was a story I, I can't recall. Look, we'll, have to, we'll have to go back and listen and we can, can always... Can I just give one more piece of advice for lunch? Yeah, yeah, of course. Soloists? Yeah, yeah. It, it pains me to see people finding lunch the most difficult thing. I'll mention one more type of tinned fish, um, mackerel or sardines. The King Oscar brand is fantastic. Just make sure you get the olive oil one, not the um, vegetable oil. And mackerel and sardines are packed with omega-3s. They're really, really good for our brains. And these are little fish that grow fast, that turn over fast in the ocean, so they're super sustainable. And then my last tip for lunches is just cook extra dinner. Why make it comfortable? (laughs) Why make it so uh, complicated when you can just chuck an extra couple of chicken legs in the dinner that you're making, you know, and putting all that effort into, and then you can reheat them and reincarnate them with a different side for lunch, like a different salad. Um, you know, how did you how did you know I had leftovers for lunch? That's what ah, I want to. It was so dry. It just makes it so easy. Sometimes mm. you know we go into these rabbit warrens of focus on these big tasks that we're working on in our businesses, and you don't want lunch to be complicated. Nobody wants lunch to be complicated. You don't want to start from scratch, and that's where leftovers can just be mm. fantastic. And also, we can buddy up with other people, and uh, we don't have to have our own leftovers. Which mm. Anyway, that takes us down a whole other path. Now, look, I've got yeah. a, one final question I'd like to ask you that, that I ask all our guests is, who's been the greatest influence on you in your life and your work and what did they teach you? Oh, wow. Um, I've had quite a few influences on my life and my work. Um, I'd say Jamie Oliver would be one of the big ones um, uh, for the simple fact that he mixes entrepreneurship with activism and philanthropy and that to me is like my my dream trio. I just mm. love those three things together in, in a life of work. Um, Sarah Wilson, just an incredible woman for taking her publishing mind into a topic, um, helping thousands and thousands of people around the world 
um, again, be a real fooder. So I guess those two for real food, um, mm. for not making a transition to a healthier way of living scary because it really shouldn't be scary. It's it's not about guilt and shame. It's just about excitement for a new little change you're going to make today and I think that's why I really respect their work because that's absolutely the way they operate as well. Fantastic. No, look, I think, yeah, I think two, two good choices. So thank you again. Thank you so much, Alex. So for people who'd like to find out more about you, your work, your blog, your courses, they can head along to Alex Stewart, that's Alex with two X's, A-L-E-X-X, Stewart, S-T-U-A-R-T dot com. So, Alex, thank you so much for joining us and uh, have, a, have a healthy rest of the day. Thank you for having me, Robert. And please, everybody, don't be terrified. It's literally just about making discoveries. It's not about deprivation and it's about going at your pace and just adding stuff in as it feels good and when it feels appropriate as you learn things. Great. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Okay, bye-bye. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.